everyone, Justin Lyons, founder of Blaze, back for another podcast. I have uh, a really interesting guest that I really I just met actually on uh, through Facebook, <laughs> and uh, she's uh, fantastic. Got a great energy, and um, we've already connected on a lot of different levels. So, um, before, you know. She'll know best how to introduce herself, so I want to introduce Brooke. Um, and Brooke, why don't you introduce yourself? I know we have kids in common, not the same kids. But we, <laughs> That's we, a funny way to put it, but we, yes, that is true. We both have kids, so yeah, uh, yeah. why don't you do a quick uh, intro, and then you know, maybe at the end of it, what are you most passionate about in life? Um, so my name is Brooke Murphy Rotan, and like Justin have kids. Uh, my kids are a little older. They're in seventh and 10th grade locally here, um, going through a divorce and, um, really passionate about mental health, um, I, mental health in the arts. And I feel like that there's a clear intersection and a void that's an untapped void for a lot of us. We're in a society that is so worried about having stuff and what we're not doing is filling our own bucket and filling others. Yeah. I, you and know, that's... as uh, I've gone through some things and, and I talked to my, my son a lot about it, you know, the thing that, that uh, I would share with him is that, you know, you got to, ex- you got to find a way to express it. You know, you can take your pain and, and, and through the arts, I mean, art is nothing more than, than taking what you see around you and, and expressing it in some way that others would somehow benefit from it, you know? And, uh, and I think that, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more that the arts have that. And I don't think people realize that they don't have to be what society tends to consider an artist. Yeah. You know, they don't have to have, you know, been painting their whole life or written a novel or, you know, play a guitar. Like art is, just take, you know, the reality that you see around you and express it in some way. It could be any way, you know. Yeah. That and other it takes could... time to get there. People yeah. think that, um, you know, you're a genius or not. And genius really is somebody who spent a whole ton of time and had the space and the support to work that goal over and over again. And my father-in-law he died in june he was a quantum Sorry, chemist yeah. chemist and theoretical physicist with the university of chicago wow. um and uh he just focused a super lot on binary code and he understands that in a way that i will never i'm not a math or science person but i can talk to those people yeah and just to tie back to what you were saying about the arts um like i've done classes at second city i studied my undergrad was in photography and design from uh, St. Xavier College, uh, now university, and I went to high school next door. And then I worked for years as a children's librarian who taught themselves how to trade stocks and do medical research and all these things, but I keep gravitating back to the arts. The kids traded stocks? Oh, sorry. I'm kidding. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was I was getting adult questions on the children's desk or I was covering the adult desk and I thought I'm going to figure this out. I am yeah. going to figure it out. And I learned to trade. Wow. Um, and it it's a passion. And it's a passion. It's reverse 
shopping or it's like a reverse credit card. So I get off on trading stocks in the same way that some woman might want to go buy shoes or get their nails done or whatever. Yeah. I would rather do that. Yeah. Well, there's a bigger upside downside too, <laughs> but um, well, I'm, I'm careful too. I have, I have a Buffett style, but yeah, um, well, we could return, you know, I want to yeah. return to the, sure. the arts and yeah, absolutely. Some of that, but, um, a good way to sometimes I do this at the end. I want to try to do it at the beginning because I think it's a good sets a good tone. But you know, what's one thing that you are grateful for from the last twenty four hours of your life? You could think of one thing. It could be small, big. I think I am grateful for. I think I'm a much more creative person than I ever thought possible. And I had this therapist who went to Unity on the North Shore with me. And Nancy died. Her name was Nancy Good. And she was like a mom to me. She was an older African-American woman. And she had said at one point when I was going to her for therapy and I didn't have money and I didn't want it going on my insurance. So she said, we're not going to worry about the money. You're just going to, I'm going to meet you in my office. And I was like, it was like, that was my mom. Hmm. But she said to me, um, something like you're so creative and I said, I'm not sure. And she said, well, you obviously haven't been paying attention. <laughs> and I yeah, think we don't sometimes pay attention to our own gifts. And I think more people need to, cause there's certain things that I do. I mean, we can talk more about it, but there's a certain secret sauce that each of us has. And I have noticed that myself, I've gotten into talks with very powerful people because of how I present myself. But I talk to everybody. It's not, I don't have a thing about, I I don't care about people's money or mm. their power. And I'm going to use certain power tools too, because I don't feel that they're any different right. or better than I am. We're all going to, we all come in the world the same way. We're all going out the same way. What we do in the middle is we live. And how, what do you want said about, you in the end and i want to live backwards and think about what what i want said in the end yeah. and that's a creative thing too and people think they're not creative and they're very creative well you know and, and you know f financial success or you know position uh, where you are in the pecking order in society it's not the measure of of true success uh, you know just because somebody Absolutely. has a billion bucks in the bank in a giant house, they could be uh, withering away inside. And then you could have the person that's living in the, you know, a small studio apartment that is, that is, that feels so much peace. And, and I would argue maybe gives more to the world uh, through their selfless Absolutely. loving actions and the energy that they bring people uh, than that person that's got the big house and the money. So. Absolutely. You know, I agree. You know, it's, it's uh and I, I really wanted to bring, you know, one of the intents with Blaze is getting kids to think a little bit deeper about who they are and who they want to be and, and what they value and what needs to change in this world. But, but in a way that they do it on their Beautiful. own terms over time, you know, and, and they build the momentum. It's not a little workshop. It's not a conference. It's sure. not, you know, a breakout session with your fellow students. It's, yeah. it's something they have their little private domain to to work on that organically over time and come to their own conclusions, you right. know? Um, right. So you're grateful for your 
creative side and, and actually being self-aware of that and, and valuing it. Yeah, because at one time I wasn't. And I remember very clearly being in a psychiatrist's office talking about stuff that was going on in my life. And I didn't realize until recently I was in the wrong life. It didn't feel like my skin. It felt like I was living somebody else's life. And I think a lot of people relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. You and know. there was a play I had seen years ago at Goodman called Somebody Else's House by a, a playwright from England. His name is David Kale. And it was, yeah, somebody else's house. And he talks about living your life, your emotional life, feeling like you're in somebody else's house. And I decided very recently, I made a conscious decision that I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's going to rail against me and try and railroad me into doing something that doesn't work for me, Think about that uphill battle as, you know, and it's never too late, right? Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, some people, you know, don't, don't believe the narrative that whatever age you are, it's too late, especially creatively. You know, maybe no. you won't be a basketball player, but, right. but, but creatively and giving of giving to this world and finding fulfillment, that's never too late. No. But do you think, you know, it, a lot of my inspiration to even start a company like Blaze and stick with it, despite a lot of adversity is one of the reasons is I can look back at myself as a child with yes, sadness. Um, I, I feel, you know, but, but sadness in the sense that like, man, if that kid could have somebody had taken that kid under his wing with a little bit of love, wisdom and direction and gotten him to realize some things at a much younger age. So, you know, and you know, you don't regret. I'm, I'm, I love where I'm at. Right, it's my journey. Yeah. But I don't I think that's, same. I don't think that's a good child development plan to say, well, go get have screwed. some adversity. <laughs> yeah, go, go have a misery for, you know, not that I had misery though, but go, go, you know, feel pain and be lost. And you know, there's a 25 to zero percent chance that you will, uh, you figure this thing out by the age of 45. You know, like. Okay. I mean, and not without some serious bumps. And there's some serious yeah. stuff going on, including suicide being the second leading cause of death for kids 14 to 17. Uh, you know, and reading, it's in the top 10. I, I was reading those statistics and the 10, the 10 to 14 year olds, these are your middle school folks. It's like, um, no, granted, I'm, I'm not a fear monger. I'm not going to like act like it, it, it's every other kid, but it's, it's increased. The, the stat I read, it, it was, I think, over 300%, close, maybe 270% I believe it. in the last seven years. I met a couple kids personally. Yeah. Who, they're twins, and they're from another culture. Beautiful girls. They looked like models. Sweetest kids, and they'd been pushed really hard, and um, they had made a pact that they were going to kill themselves. Hmm. And this is in a wealthy area. I'll just say that. Well, and I think that, you know, I think, and I've said this before, and, and whether it rubs people the wrong way or not, I don't think it will. But, you know, I grew up in in, a, in Glencoe, which has money. I, I wouldn't say I was in the, the wealthy, but, you know, definitely I had the privilege of growing up in that town. And I grew up in the other side of the tracks, on the <laughs> south side. I'm a south sider. Yeah. And, but, and then, you know, now in Evanston, you have this income disparity. But I think yeah. it can, the, the, the 
the activism and talking points can can sometimes go in a direction that says, well, if you're white, you're privileged, so therefore you don't have problems. Or if you have money, <laughs> I love that. If you're money, if you have money, what do you have to complain about? Or you're bad. Money right. is bad, and everybody with money is bad. And yeah, and it's not it's usually just, the people that don't have money that are saying that. It's the people that are trying to be the activists to like somehow fight for their cause but that they're provocateurs and i've, I've done that i've said yeah. things online that i'm sure people are going oh my god she's like this crazy woman who's just a, a provocateur and you know does she put her money where her mouth is but you know some of it's just i talk a good game too yeah so. <laughs> kids are kids are struggling everywhere and I, that was my point is like you know don't don't just because you grew up in Winneka doesn't mean that you're not suffering a lot of heart heartache and pain. I mean, yeah, maybe there's money to try to mask it more, but we're human beings at the end of the day when you strip it back. So, you know, I, it, yeah. it, it, it's... Well, if there's that much money, you know that the parents aren't around. I've worked, I was a nanny years ago for top flight people. And uh, when you are living the lush life, you your work is your life. You don't have balance. You cannot have deeply fulfilling or every, maybe it's I shouldn't hard, say, yeah. I some shouldn't do. say some, some something's got to give some find a way, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Exactly. Something's hard. always got to give. And, uh, I've made a few decisions in my career to ensure that I didn't drift far from my children. Cause I remember when I was younger at a big company and some of the guys that had been around, they're a little bit older. So one guy was at the bar and he was just like, oh, I guess his son texted him. He didn't have a great relationship with him or he's starting to have a better one. And it's an yeah. adult son. He goes, yeah, I just wasn't around when he was young. And it just, I still it's like remember, Cat's Cradle. Well, I still remember the, the, the song pain Cat's in Cradle. his eyes. And at the time, my son was like, you know, like 18 months, but it always stuck with me. I'm like, I do not, you, I would rather live a very humble life and know that I had a deep connection with my children and I was present Agreed. and I knew that I loved them because what, what is my, like when you have a child, that's your purpose. Like you have to put them yeah. ahead. It's in, in providing for them is not financially, it's emotionally, it's being present. Yeah. It's letting them know that, that, uh, that you love them. Yes. It's being hard on them, but it's also circling back around and, and letting them know that, you know, I, I care about you. I'm going to give you a hug. I know I just yelled at you, <laughs> but yeah. I care about you. And, and let's talk right. about the wisdom that, that I think maybe I've gained through a lot of my pain and, and what, yeah. you know, you can expect, you know, and a lot of kids, I think our generation, maybe we're, we're Gen X, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, comedians will always talk about it. Like we didn't have parents that were putting their arms around us and, you know, some did, don't get me wrong, but a lot, a I lot think of, a lot of it was, okay, go play out in the street, kid, come back at like yeah. nighttime. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. And some say, well, that's good. And I think it is a balance, right? You don't want to be a helicopter parent, but yeah, I think it, uh, anyway, I, you know, we'll go off on different topics, but I think that, uh, I just, when you talked about, you know, f discovering this stuff at a, at a later age, it, it, when I look at these kids and I'll volunteer before school with some of the kids that are oh. coming from air, you know, uh, families that don't That's have right. a whole lot. And I see these shining lights and nothing breaks my heart more than to, um, project into the future an outcome that this this shining light that's filled with potential gonna uh, go it gets extinguished um and maybe yeah. it's it's disturbing maybe it's their own parent maybe it's 
the teachers that just didn't want to slow down enough and look at them like a human. Maybe they made it through all that. And maybe it's, you know, the real world that, that yeah. isn't, you know, opening their arms to them. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, uh, that's it's hard to watch. It's, it's hard for me to watch that yeah. kind of stuff. But, you know, I think that sometimes we try one size fits all and we think we got to save everyone. And I'm always, you know, do a math equation on it and say, like in Evanston, right? I mean, if the achievement gap is, call it, you know, 70% or whatever it is, 60%. Um, sure. What is it, 70? It sounds like, like 60. You, it 50 like to 60%. Yeah. yeah, and it hasn't budged a whole lot. And I'm like, well, I'm, I, I don't need to save every kid today, but why don't I go get 10 of them? And maybe and, those 10 can and pay it forward. If you're putting it out into the water, even if it's one or two, and those one or two people go to other people, you've in effect changed what's in the water. You're building a air. model of success. You look at the fifth ward in Evanston. Yeah. And if folks aren't familiar with it, it's the historically... Historically black area, which has now become unaffordable for all of us, including me as a white <laughs> mom yeah so you, you know but it's still this massive achievement gap and yeah a lot of the programs that get introduced i think in evanston are very like let's save everyone and then you wonder why you don't move ever move the needle where i say why don't we find those that you know let's find that per small percentage that has the most potential to come across let's engage their parents let's engage them let's let's well, let's do double down on them and focus your resources create success from their community and now you have models of success that that like you said that can spread to others right and then you incrementally move it because 10 kids at like kingsley elementary you move 10 kids over that achievement gap is going to drop more than 10 percent, right sure. so what i could never understand is like how could you not budget like <laughs> sometimes a lot you, you want to go all the way oh yeah evanston now is that the newspaper is that what it is? Uh, there's the round table. A round table. That's what it is. Maybe there is no such thing as Evanston now. Well, maybe you're going to create it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but, you know, they, you'd see the articles over and, and I, historically I went back and read them because I've only been in Evanston a little over two years. And it's like every year. You're one like, of us. There, I, I feel it. <laughs> there was no progress. And it'd be like, oh, a, a, a poor percent. That's almost like. Yeah. As a business nothing. person, I'm trying to I'm kind of I'm trying right. to cut an angle on the statistics to show you some progress, but you're ignoring like right. no achievement for everyone went down. So just because you lowered the gap, you actually you actually lowered achievement for African Americans and white people, and oh, and you gained a half a percent on the gap. Well, that's pointless. But there's if, other things out there like yeah. um, Friends of Crown, which um, I'm just going to make a plug for this right now because I'm very excited about what the team has done with Pete June Greco and Mike Davis. Uh, Daniel Stein and Leslie Wyrick, who uh, have gone out. It's a $53 million project, uh, educational recreational space um, that will be open 530 to midnight. And for the kids that don't have Wi-Fi in their home, um, there's going to be a library, but there's also Wi-Fi. You can go there and you can get your technology because a lot of textbooks are uh, virtual textbooks now. Okay. And that will help. I truly believe with every fiber of my being that this team is making a difference. People think it's, oh, their taxes are going up. If they go up at all, there's ways for people, if they don't have means, that they can have that retracted. Maybe it's going to go up 20 bucks for the people at the lower end, like myself. But you had talked about, you know, sorry to interrupt, but... It's okay. Like, and I don't... 
So it cre- I was tagging cre- into cre- what you were saying. No, but I was saying, you know, the, we were talking before we jumped into the podcast about that, and I had not been educated on it. It's hard to educate people because everybody's just moving so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a Doppler. But creating situation. creating this this um, hub or you know oasis, yes, where you know, but you understand youth and to the degree and their parents that come from you know less means and I worked in very diverse environments for years. So my thing, and I had said to one of the team, Mike Davis, uh, the other day when I was at my Schwab office, I I said, you understand that my specialty is working with people from diverse environments. And then what happened was I was there to meet my Schwab guy talking about various things. And he wanted to rope me into a project dealing with uh, storytelling in the Muslim community yeah. in in evanston though i will say this that we have it we need to work on more the whole thing of leveling the playing field because the thing the secret sauce of evanston is people from all ethnic groups all levels of socioeconomics are able to be here but they're getting priced out and then there's people like my That's friend Su- 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 Lobach from connections for the homeless who's trying to fix that but if everybody doesn't put their oar in well we i barely squeezed in and and so you're right i mean if you make it cost prohibitive to get here unfortunately you if if you have to buy a million dollar home to get into evanston in five years like that's really going to decrease the i think the percentage of of folk that folks that come in socially conscious um not just yeah sure i'll cut a check i'm liberal I'm left. I'll cut a check to a charity, but I'll never get my hands dirty. I'll never have the time to spend time in the community and get to know the have nots, so to speak, at, in a more intimate level, sit around their dinner table. Right. Because without those life experiences, you don't have enough empathy um, to, for them. And then you start creating programs, which are like these sort of like, um, I don't know, it's like paternalistic, like, <laughs> well, you know, poor brown people. Uh, I've gotten right. money and resources, and I'm highly educated. And I've, it's offensive, and I've, and I've read a lot of articles on on your people. And this is obviously right. exaggeration. And right. uh, but, no, but I, I, I know what's best for you, so let me write some checks. And that's not what people. But meanwhile, need. what they're doing is they're underpaying people. So what some companies do is they underpay the employees. And I've been on the other end of this, where somebody's trying to do it to me. You use the employee as your piggy bank. You under pay them and then they need social services and then you blame them so it's like this double bind of that you can never get out so you'll spend like i don't know like ten dollars on a bagel but you won't pay me or someone enough money and you'll say well i can't afford it because xyz reason and then we're back to what i call the zip code problem which is certain zip codes all uh, police fire and and schools are funded by zip code. Mm-hmm. So the places with the more resources are going to have uh, better outcomes in terms of education and also health. It's been proven. It was on BZ the other day. Yeah, uh, It's a problem. The whole system is yeah. screwed up. You know, and I think that because I've been in business and, and uh, you know, working on building my own and manage small businesses, I'd say that sometimes it can be oversimplified that say, oh, just pay people more. Because when you look at each individual business and you look at each individual leader within a business, yeah. uh, you know, it. everyone's got this pressure to perform 
So it's not like it's, you've got the king of business that says, oh yes, you know, like spread the wealth more. There's so many other dynamics that this business needs to be competitive. Sure. And, and I am simplifying somewhat. Yeah. But I, you, you know, and I get it at some point there needs to be, you know, a break point and, and there shouldn't I, be 2000 also, to 2001 say, salary disparity. There's though. a lot of folks in this, you know, I mean, I, this is like, I'll, I'll play both sides of the fence. There's a lot of folks that need to understand you need to work hard. You know, like, you know, you need to have a Absolutely. work ethic. You need to Absolutely. be reliable. You need to be the person that wants to adapt, you know, I agree. be coachable because there's too many folks out there that are saying, oh, well, you don't pay me more, but they don't, you know. Or, or they're asking for handouts. And I had one community member say to me uh, about the project. They said, well, I'm, I'm supposed to help give money and these kids are walking around with air jordans that are 200 bucks and this was somebody who is not white who said this yeah. to me well and, uh, I, I, and i was just like okay like i hadn't expected that from you and their spouse said the exact opposite they were like of course we're, i'm behind this yeah. <laughs> that was really funny i think everson's got this weird dynamic where um there's not enough close relationships with those like really close, like, like, oh, you get me. You're like, you've sat around the table and had yeah. uh, a meal with me. Um, yeah, that, Th that could be built. But, and but I think, and I think that it, cause that's empathy, that's relationship. And then, then because you, ha you can have the white people that are in these positions of power sort of feel like, well, I don't want to offend. And I have, so let me work with just sort of like the activists over here and appease them and then get that off my plate. Whereas if they were really spending a lot of time with the regular folks right. um, and getting to know them, they'll realize, you know, you have actually a lot of commonality. Like are those things you're silently resenting about sort you of... You don't know. You don't yeah, know what they're... Also, you know, but then also look in the mirror. Like there's some points that folks on the other side of the tracks that are looking at you and I saying, know. you just keep putting Band-Aids on things. You. I, I had my own cousin who's a Buddhist tell me, we were, I was in the car at the lake and I was having another problem with my situation, my life not working, family life. And I said something to her about, I can't remember what it was, but she had said, yeah, and there was this woman standing in the line and she was causing this ruckus and she had tattoos on her and she was using her food stamps. And she said, I got really judgy and I was pissed. And I thought to myself, I said, well, Robin, you don't know if maybe that was like a homemade tattoo, maybe she had a friend do it. Maybe that was from a time when she had money and she didn't have money. So you're just looking at this one thing. So without questions. You can't, I think what, what folks don't understand is just because they've got Air Jordans and something else, like, like if you actually spent time with folks and had friendships and love and empathy for them, you'd understand that like you can't judge them on that one act because Jordan is a, it, it, it's He's an icon, a, it's, and it's Chicago. Well, it, it's cultural. It, yeah. Yes, it's a status symbols, but you have status symbols too in your community. Why are you driving the Lexus? Why are you you know? Why do you have or the, the coach Tesla. purse? Right. Why do you have all these things? Like every every human in their own tribe is trying to demonstrate to others. Like, no, I'm, I'm making it or they're trying to attract the opposite sex or they're trying to, you know, just feel better about themselves ultimately. Yeah. Right. So that is part of the culture. And we all spend what we shouldn't spend. So just yeah. because it's so obvious, like, are they supposed to be walking around in like Jesus sandals and like, you know, like, oh, or maybe know? they maybe they saved up their money to do that. I had a paper route when I was nine years old and I was paying for my own 
craft supplies, haircuts, other things. So maybe that's what the kid did. Or maybe some nice person knew that that was something that meant a lot to them. Well, and materialism is an American global thing. It's not a black thing, a Hispanic thing. Right. You know, it's... It's colorless. We all want nice things. It's okay to have champagne taste. I have champagne taste too, but I don't spend champagne prices. I go to thrift stores. But you said something judgy. Okay. It's, It's a problem. It's a problem in society. Mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like, I'm going to give, but oh, I don't like those people I'm giving to because I don't think they fully appreciate what I'm giving. In, or, in. or I can have it, but the people that I'm giving to, they shouldn't have it. Right. So at what point and are they you, worthy? And, well, and if you haven't grown up Do in they get to have a roof over their head or do they have to be in a tent? Well, what, at and, what point? And, and you got to understand, like, who, folks... There's a lot of parent, like when I became a parent, nobody gave me a handbook. I, I, no one had been, <laughs> n- nobody had been giving me a, um, yeah, like, like a mentorship where I was going to become like, you know, some master at it. You just dive in and you're young and you're just trying to figure out and you make a lot of mistakes. But a lot of people are judgy the mm-hmm. whole way. But, but because I still people have, don't know your backstory. But, they don't know what the thing was that you were dealing with before, and they don't know what you know, don't know. They don't know what your family life was right. growing up. For parenting, yeah. If, you, if there was no model for you, you can't expect these folks to all of a sudden understand what the priorities are in parenting. You also can't... You, there is a thing called you know adverse childhood experiences, experiences the aces yep that I they've learned been about that with. at the kennedy forum there's toxic stress that they've been enduring their whole life they've a lot of things against them so a solution can't be do you, you want know, to give some examples of aces or do you want me to because well, i know yeah, about abuse this. uh a parent in prison divorce a divorce you know drug addiction in the family um you know you and the abuse could be emotional it could be and it's repeated. Sexual. It's repetitive. It's yeah. not a one-off. And when you grow up as a young person in these environments, um, it lack affects, of money is another one. Yeah, it affects your brain. It affects your development. Uh, you're much more prone to, um, you know, I think it really affects your emotional capacity, emotional yeah. intelligence, how you manage well, things. Exactly, because there's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is your emotional center. And once that gets stimulated beyond a certain point, you lose rationality. I've yeah. studied this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's, they, they go to a flight or fight. Fight or flight. Yep. Um, you know, as opposed to, okay, I've developed sort of my executive function, my, right. you know, um, self-regulation and, you know. Which like, is hard enough for adults. Heck yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's an uphill battle, but that's why I think that when you're looking to help one kid at a time, you got to ask yourself, is there a supportive adult in that child's life that you could you could also engage and mentor them a little bit on yeah. um, some life skill development? And if you look at Harvard Center on the Developing Child, mm. they talk a lot about that, that, you know, if you want to impact these kids that that are growing growing up in these environments, you can't just look at developing their life skills. You got to look at those supportive, caring adults in their lives, whoever that person or people are. And teach kids how to know who to look for. Right. Like train them. These are some things to look for as someone who can mentor you, that it's not that an adult is standing above you, but that you have skills. Sometimes it's not just about age. That's the experience. There are kids who are old souls and one 
person, like your son Miles, when I watch your Blaze videos, because yeah. I, I check everybody out. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was like, wow, this kid at, you know, whatever age, 11, already has some stuff that, like, I don't even have all the pieces to. And I'm okay with saying that. I used to be very ageist, and now I think you know when you know. It's not about age. It's about emotional intelligence and tapping into, you know, I don't know. Jay Shetty is one guy I follow, and I, he's, have you seen Jay Shetty? Huh. You have to check him out. So he talks a lot of some similar things to what we're talking about here, but with adults and family situations. And he's, yeah. he was a Buddhist monk. And he's now married, and his videos have so much heart to them. Talking about all the things we're talking about, but not. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's, it's the same but different. Yeah, I mean, I think society needs to. I think adults need to start to realize that, that kids at a younger age, whatever background, they're they're pretty advanced. They have access to yeah. a lot of information. Um, There's a felt sense that I think that a lot of us have too that we don't always pay attention to. And I think because yeah, of going through a divorce and I had my gallstones and gallbladder out, they say your your brain is your, your stomach is your second brain or your digestive tract. And I think, God, I wasn't listening all those times. But then, like, I'm with certain people, uh, like the Friends of Crown Committee. And I think, like, it just, it's right because it's right. I don't need to explain myself. You know, on sort of the, the kids and, and the sure. parenting thing. Um, you know, we can talk about what, what other parents need, or we, you know, you can, we can philosophize on, well, the, the have nots, I think this is what will fix them, but we could do that all day long, but let's all look in the mirror and say, okay, what did I do? Well, How can I put my or in? Right. But forget, for look in your own four walls of your home and ask yourself, are you the optimal parent? Are you a great, you know, partner to your significant other. If you have one or, you know, wh what? None of us are always, I know I'm not, I would be lying despite my circumstances to say that I am a perfect human being. We all make sense, make mistakes. And I think that being able to separate out one thing that I mentioned when I came in here was just, you separate out the person from their behavior. Mm hmm. And that's a really tough thing to do, but I have done some training with my guru um, who's out in Seattle, actually Orcas Island, um, thanks to Lonnie Stonich and the Family Action Network. There's uh, She brings all these big speakers, and one she brought, you have to have a TED Talk speaker to get past Lonnie because she's the University of Chicago and she will call you up and down all day long. <laughs> but she's had Senator Cory Booker, Brene Brown, all these people, and she brought Dr. Gregory Kramer, who... Uh, brought to the fan network a 30-hour training in insight dialogue which is a form of what he calls relational meditation mm -hmm. so as i'm talking to you right now i'm going through the form what book did he write insight dialogue was there another one he wrote because he sounds really familiar uh, i'm not sure but this okay. guy he used to score films and now he does this he trains everybody from me like the hoi polloi and up to people at google it's huh. not about money for him, but it's mm -hmm. about the process, which is a six-step one in which it's pause in every conversation, mm -hmm. relax, open, 
listen deeply, trust emergence, and speak the truth coming out of a place of loving kindness. So if you have something to say and you feel like it is going to be difficult, you have an obligation to say it in a way that will be sensitive to the person and their lifestyle and their background, socioeconomically, ethnically, with what they can handle emotionally and interpersonally. It takes a lot of experience, perspective, and empathy to be able to, and self-control <laughs> to yeah. be able to do all that, you know? So, you you learn it though because yeah. you learn through whatever the discussion is and he when he when you go through the form with him there's times when it's just he'll say it's just the speaker and you just have to sit there and listen and you can't say anything and then he'll trade and then the other person is mm -hmm. and then he breaks down the boundaries or the walls and says okay I'm dropping the speaker listener wall and you can talk freely and what I noticed through doing it is when you add in an extra voice, how noisy it sounds or how you're putting your own stuff in there mixed with the other person's and how it becomes, as life does, very messy sometimes. Mm. But that's also what binds us and what makes us connect and what makes the social glue and what makes for a great life. Because I feel like having those human connections, friends, family, you know, fulfilling relationships, is that, those things. And it becomes much easier if you learn, one, that that's what you need to be working on at a young age, and two, how do you, how do you make it happen? Because, you know, um, one of the questions I'm about to ask you is, kids transitioning from fifth grade to middle school because mm. I have a kid that just did that. And, yeah. uh, and mine's one year older. Yeah. So I think it's, um, having the, the, and I don't know, if, I don't think that's really taught all that well in our school system. Um, and I think parents are struggling more and more to figure that out because of the digital, the 24 seven, Digital always distractions. open. It's the always open thing. The twenty-four, yeah. and I like to say I'm not always open, and and it's not even good for anybody psychologically. It makes you feel ill, and I feel like this whole digital, like take your clothes off with your mouth thing, like on Facebook. Like I say mm -hmm. a lot of things, and as I've said to you, I talk a really good game, so I probably sound like a lot different of a person than meeting me in person. Um, but I'm also a provocateur. I like to poke at things. You seem the same. <laughs> okay, really? Because I say these really kind of sexy things on there, and people, oh, like, I'm thinking, I like, I'm probably terrifying so every I, available I guy on the sorry. planet. I haven't known you that long. <laughs> I haven't scanned your, uh, your, your well, digital I'm glad, history. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> My be... footprint. So let me ask you a question, because we'll probably have, uh, we'll call it 10 minutes. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to have the sort of lightning round on some parenting question. What, sure. what, what, why did you... And we can keep these pretty concise, but yeah. wh why did you want to be a parent originally? Was it even something that you decided, okay, I want, or it just sort of happened? Or do you remember I, sort of idealistically back in the day? I, I, I knew I wanted it, but I don't, it wasn't very thought out. And I kept thinking the whole time and I, I, I feel more prepared now than I did then, but it was not fully thought out. I was 
an older parent. So at the point at which for years, my OBGYN kept saying, you need to get pregnant, you need to get pregnant. <laughs> and I, I was just like, you know, I'm having a good time right now. And I don't know if I want to add in that level of complexity or whatever. And I didn't feel ready. Um, so at the point at which I had my first child, which is my daughter, um, I, I was 34. Mm. And um, more common now than. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel glad about what I did waiting because I think I would have been. I, I don't think I would have even done the job that I'm doing now. And I, I have to say that, and I'm going to put this out there for my kids. I'm not always the best parent. I'm not always the best person. Mm-hmm. I have a real smart alecky approach to life. And I feel like my alter ego is Cam from Modern Family. And it's just like, okay, well, this is my answer. And it, like, I'm very flip about things. But that's because of all the things that have happened to me up to this point. So people, when they meet me or see me, they think, oh my God, like, she just said or did that. Yeah. Well, what am I supposed to do? Like there's things that you don't see that have happened to me. And I think about this, unfortunately, I'm going to bring up a video game years ago. My sister-in-law was trying to get me to play this game called the Sims. And in the Sims, you move, you move your people around this digital landscape. And the one thing I got out of that game, I never got good at it because I only played it a couple times. I bought the thing and just sat on a shelf, but that, all these things can be happening to one person at one time. So in other words, you their house could have burned up, their child could have just died, their mate could have just left them, uh, they could have lost all their money. And you, you see person in front of you, but you don't know that all those things could have just happened. I am that person that that happened to, but I'm also the person who attracts a lot of good stuff too. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you say that, it, it, I've... Um written a lot of trails and blaze around kids slowing down and observing the kids around them and or people around them, the humans around them and imagining um, just taking a minute or two to imagine something of, of deeper, you know, uh, they're deeper realities. So there's one, imagine the lonely kid. There's wow. one uh, bus stop empathy. I just put one, wow. I just upgraded the... That's beautiful. The, I love the sound of that bus stop empathy. Yeah, I just upgraded the the app to allow me to put um, <laughs> downloadable attachments off a trail. So like I'm doing these photo reflection trails. So like I've got uh, a photo inside of London, a museum of a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And just like I have another one that's actually a woman in LA at night sitting at a bus stop. But wow. getting kids... But the question is look at this picture and reflect upon, you know, how does it make you feel? What do you think? And what do you imagine? And, it, you know, in the, in the hyperspeed life that we live, yeah, it's hard to do that, but you can give somebody a still photo uh, and they could look at it and go, well, it, it, you know, like, oh, I just think she's drunk, just a drunk white girl at the, at the bus stop. And then I'll have a second step that says, now go back to the photo and think of it, try to think of it at a different angle. Like what could, what could be an alternative? Now you're taking that next layer of getting the child to look at that person 
with maybe a little bit more compassion and understanding rather than these instant, we're so distracted, we're moving Hair so trigger. fast, we're so prone more than any time in history and to be a victim to our, to our stereotypes and to our judgments because we don't, we can do it and then we don't have to live in it very long because we can jump in into the next, you know, Instagram feed or Facebook feed or that's text all, message. That's, just, that's all Facebook. That's all, well, that's yeah, all but we can, we don't, we don't slow and this mm-hmm. worries me about our children that we don't, they're not learning to slow life down enough to think more critically about the reality that's being put in front of them. Well, what you have to do is you're at the sweets table and you see all these things and your immediate response is a person or kid, whatever, I want all of it. So your eyes are bigger than your stomach and you have to be able to get to the point where you can look at the sweets and go, if I eat all that, I'm going to throw up. It's not going to feel good. And the same thing with human relationships. Anything. But that's an easier one because I'm going to throw up and I'm be like, okay, I don't want the sweets. Right. But if I'm looking at that person and be like, oh, you know, that's a fat person. Or, oh, that's a, you know, that's a minority. Yeah. They're not as smart as me. Oh, that's, uh, you know, that, that that's a rich person who just thinks that they're so cool, but their parents probably gave them money. Like, like whatever. We, we all do it, but though. We, and, and we're we, constantly doing it, but it's, it, it you know, th- those are like common, maybe extreme. I don't know. But then you have, when you get into politics, when you get into, um, uh, you know, government, you... Hot topics. If, yeah, it, well, if you, what I'm saying is like, if we have a generation of kids that are um it don't they don't have the ability to slow down and think critically and they'll just distract from one to the next they're going to be a less empathetic even though they're yeah. going to be like young social causes social causes when life starts to actually happen for them when they actually have yeah. to live life and, and deal with the stresses and be accountable to their own survival all that idealism goes out the window and they're going to be the, the least empathetic generation and they're going to be the most distracted. So here comes some sort of force that 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 right. can manipulate them to a degree that that generations maybe in the past couldn't be manipulated because they know they're, they're on a lot of screens though versus having human beings. When I was a kid and my grandfather, like we were hanging out, we'd sit on the stoop. Even in Beverly, who's a doctor, and people sat out and they talked to each other and they looked at you in the eye, you know, and. People don't do that now because they're spending so much time and everybody's looking at their phones as if it's so interesting. Even people are so, so that's why I think like, put you put the phone down. Well, not, they're not going to put the phone down. So you got to use you <laughs> got more fun you, than you, on the phone. You got to take their attention. You know, they, they have their you call it, no, some people call it the attention economy, attention sort of like yeah. their attention tank for the day. Right. And if you could like if you could route some of that to some of that fuel inside that technology to something that gets them to pause for a few minutes and reflect on life a little bit deeper um, and build some of those skills, you're giving them a chance, but just to tell them, get off your device, you know? No, I I, I wouldn't say that, but I I think that there needs to be, last night when I was at Harry Shearer's show at Evanston Space, um, a friend was singing, her name's Donica Lynn Henderson, she's won all these awards, and I was going, kept waiting all night for her to do her thing. And on stage, she said, it's okay not to be okay. She's now yet battling brain cancer for the third time. Last year, Harry Shearer's wife, Harry Shearer was on Simpsons, did the show, 
his wife, Judith Owen, who reminds me of my mother-in-law, but is not Jewish. <laughs> just like, okay, we can go toe-to-toe, lady. I can do this all day long. <laughs> um, she brought Donica Lynn up, and when Donica Lynn started to sing, before she did, uh, she said, it's okay not to be okay. And I just want to let you know that. I tell my kids that all the time. And I thought, thank God. As somebody who is a passionate, rabid uh, proselytizer of getting mental health services, mm-hmm. here she is from the stage doing this. I thought, thank God. Thank God. Because like, I feel lonely. It's lo- People say it's lonely at the top, but it's also lonely not to have people who are like-minded, who are having these conversations. If we can talk about LGBTQ asterisk IA and do it down to a kid's level, why are, why is it not okay to have a mental health issue? And I'm not talking about, it, it could be whatever range, lots of things, mm-hmm. you know, borderline personality, anxiety, depression, major depression, schizophrenia, whatever it is, alcoholism, drug addiction, those are all mental health conditions. And we need to talk about that. We need to talk about our feelings and emotions. We are not just something that you can just plug and play and you just get a, an answer, the right answer, the answer that you want to hear. Well, you know what they say, we're the product to the sort of tech um, digital age. Like the, yeah. w- we go, we sit in our cubes, we make money. We're not that happy, but we spend that money. We give our attention to these things so that they can sell us more products so that we have to work more so that we can in the cycle. Right, and it's t- this loop. But but we're all going to die someday. Right. And, and, and so the money is going to make us happy? or well, well, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah. I mean, a th- screen? Th- there's a lot of, I don't knock like going, I think you, you got to go sometimes work those jobs. But, you know, it, it, sure. that's how, you know, it. I'm not like a conspiracy theorist, like there's the Dr. <laughs> Evil at the top that says work. No. And, but I'm saying it, it, an extreme example is like you just be, and you can see it, you just become part of that hamster wheel. Yes. And, and I've been on it. And while people just it. get really wealthy off your sort of ignorance of like, yeah, I'll just keep distracting myself and then I'll go have a job I hate, then I'll distract myself. Right. Before it was just like I'd drink alcohol, not me, but like, you know, it was alcohol. Now it's like, your phone takes you to all these different places to, to avoid reality. I believe that's in, you, in, in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Ma- Manual of Mental Health Conditions. I feel like that that is one of the things that's, I'm 80% sure on that. Okay. That it is a, like, screen addiction, I mean, is one of the things that's in there. Yeah, yeah. So It's I, psychologically unhealthy. Well, it's just, you know, it's just, sometimes it's just... Uh, doing a little small things to change your, your trajectory a little bit and, and open your eyes and slow down. And, you know, I I can be a bit fatalistic about adults like, okay, yeah, give it a shot. Good luck. But our kids, (laughs) you know, it's like, uh, you can't tell them not to be on devices, but can you, while they're on their devices, can you give them some pointers to, to to look up from other options? You can say, do you want to do go see a movie or go to the park or, or uh, would yeah. you like to go to dinner or coffee shop or would you like to color and right. don't even put that as an option. Yeah. As soon as you put that in, as an option, it would be like telling me, I don't know, don't think about men. I do. I do it a lot. I have a very active fantasy life. 
If you, as soon as you well, say that'll that. That'll be a separate <laughs> podcast, folks. And children, you will not tune into that one. We'll put explicit on that. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm not done, sure. That'll be done after hours. Um, I'm so sorry that no, came that's out. A, that's okay. Yeah, I think that uh, kids, you know, I have trails that I've written, The Madness of Instant Messaging. Um, <laughs> y- y- you know, I've got... Uh, I've done it too. Yeah, I, you know, the, what's up with vaping, you know, weed's legal, now what? Um, you, you know, what's amazing, what I find is that the kids, when they take these trails, you're getting them to reflect on the things that adults are telling them not to do. But I'll put questions and mm. like a step that'll say like, okay, if you were the father of a seven-year-old daughter, what would you uh, tell her, right, about vaping? Right. So you're not, so you're not doing a make wrong. You're not. And the kids are self-selecting these trails. So it wasn't an assignment. It wasn't telegraphed. It wasn't forced upon Ah. them. They're self-selecting it. It's open-ended in terms of their own reflection. But the idea being let them organically come to their own conclusions without adults trying to tell them what to do, because they're actually really insightful. And a lot of times they're not vaping because they really want to. There's a lot right. of other dynamics to it. And the last thing you want to hear is an adult telling them, that's going to kill you. You know, they, 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 you, they, if they can kind of come to their own conclusion internally, like right. anything that we do that harms ourselves, like why do we do it? Well, we're irrational. We, we, we know that certain things Absolutely. are unhealthy, but we do it anyway. If you do it because it feels good. Tony Robbins, when he talks about his stuff, it's all about pleasure and pain. You're either drawn to pleasure or you're moving away from pain. And when you thin slice down to like Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Tipping Point, talks about thin slicing. When you get it down to that level, we're all trying to do that. So mm-hmm. even any of us, like if you go to the hospital and you get a pain medication, it feels good to get the pain medication because then you feel better. And it could happen to a white mom like myself when I had my tonsils out. But um, you know what? Like I have another choice says read with your kid for 20 minutes like next to them or uh, yeah. another one is um jim Trulis, a, a, your... a childhood expert who talks about that he he made reading lists and 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 talks about reading with your kids he said he did it with his sons and the sons were even in high school when they were still doing read alouds and yeah. he's like a revered he's like mr rogers for so i got potential folks i could maybe be the next mr rogers neighborhood in evanston or lavar burton yeah mr rogers uh, only the white guy on gray street um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you know and i think about that a lot as a parent when i get distracted i mean i have trails that it's like take um give your kid 100 percent of yourself for 30 minutes meaning like no phone no distractions nothing undivided attention we think we do but then we don't because we got our phone there we uh think we do but then when we really reflect on it we're like jesus i haven't done that in like probably two months um and my friend miriam you do it there's no better drug than when i actually take that trail and i sit with my daughter and then we read so we go page by page she's she's just turned eight but she'll read a page i'll read a page and i had tutored kids a couple years in evanston yeah and we talked about expression a lot and so i was always reading with feeling like you're an actor on a stage exactly i said keep me engaged otherwise i'm gonna fall asleep but i said you gotta so she's like amazing and and it's a great talent to actually be able to read words for the very first time and and bring expression to them yeah but but when i get up from that 20 minutes or whatever with her 
I tell you, that's the best memory of my day. So why don't I do it every day? Well, because I'm afraid about keeping, I need to build a business. I got to have my job. I got to handle all this other stuff. You know, I'm like, you're just in this react mode as a parent. But you won't feel whole or most of us won't feel whole unless you've made that human connection. But I think what folks need to understand is like, it's not like you need to do that all day. Right. Yes, you need to react as a parent. Do you have five like, minutes? Do right. you have ten minutes? It's right. a block of time. You'd want it on a date with your mate yeah. or somebody you want to get to know. So why not do it with your child? Yeah, I even have relationship trails for spouses. Like one's, a, um, uh, I forget what exactly what it's called, but it's about basically remembering it's romantic memories or something where wow. like over, nice. f- over five separate days, uh, you get to check in when you sort of share, it could be a text or whatever, like one like romantic memory from your past with your partner, you know? Wow. So it, it, it just feels good. And then you learn what each other's love language is and yeah. you do that with your mate, but you couldn't do that with your kid too. You could, yeah, we can do, you can trail buddy in it. So I could, you can invite your spouse or even with the kids, you can invite your kids. So you're both taking the trail simultaneously. You can see when the other one checked it. Now that could cause some problems because it's like, hey, you only checked I, in I've given twice you five to my romantic five? memories. You haven't even taken step one. Well, you don't remember any. Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now you have trails on resentment. Uh, you know. And what John and Julie Gottman, the love lab, the love lab people out of Seattle, talk about Lonnie Stonich. I'm going to plug for the Family Action Network again. She brought the Gottmans out, and they can predict with success or failure within, I don't know, some super short period of time. They put electrodes on, they watch micro-movements, all this stuff. We really need to pay attention to how we're communicating, in what format, what our faces look like, what we're saying, if there's judgment. If you make a jump on somebody and finish their sentences, or you assume the worst rather than give them the A, there is nothing more powerful with a child or with your mate than doing that. It makes you the person, it makes you more lovable and it makes the connection, that glue is just, it's magic. It is, uh, it's pure magic. Mm-hmm. On that note, I think we should yes. wrap up. I think yes. we could do a thousand more. This may <laughs> we end, could, yeah. we could. Thanks, but, Justin. This was great. No, it was a pleasure to have you. And, and um, I think I'm looking forward to getting to know you more. And I, I appreciate your you understanding and with the mission that I'm on and, uh, and right being, there. A, being a believer and, uh, you know, the more you can recruit that, see that vision, you know, it just gives you more it's energy. Real. I had an yeah. IP lawyer tell me I wanted a podcast and Jessica Oldani, who went to school at ETHS and she was, she knows this guy, Paul Friedman, who I worked with at Barnes and Noble. Paul's a big guy at NPR. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was saying to her, I really want this podcast. She said, Brooke, it's already real. If you can see it and you're talking about it, it's envisioned. It's as as real as this table in here, as, you know, your hands or whatever. It is real. It's already happened. So the thing will be with Blaze and with our kids and whatever is visioning it by the thought. Thoughts are things. I saw that in somebody's house as I was walking to the pool one morning over the summer it said thoughts are things. So just watch your thoughts. That's true. We'll end on. Thank you. Yeah. yeah thank I, you. I appreciate it. And everyone, thanks for listening. Yes. Um, yes. I encourage you out there to think of one thing that you're grateful for from the last 24 hours and 
set a little uh, micro goal for yourself in the next 24 hours. There's something little that you can achieve and feel good about that's about your best self. And if you're a parent, I don't know, give your kid a hug and uh, and try to give them Hugs like, are better than handshakes is what this guy told me over the summer. <laughs> unless, was a it's some, unless it's some strange weird some creepy person. Your child no, yeah, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about that, but kidding. I was at a spiritual fair and this guy, this young guy who was a Sikh was telling me about that and I thought that was a great yeah, thing. I like it. Um, but yeah, I hope everyone has a wonderful uh, day, evening, morning, whenever you read, uh, not read this, but whenever you listen to this. And yes. Brooke, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Take okay. care, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please give us a quick review on your podcast platform. And if you want Blaze in your household, sign up for a free trial account at blaze.tech.